0: On vacation, which means Steven is on the mic. What's up, everybody? Thrilled for this episode of Creating Magic Podcast. Uh, before we dive into the super fun episode that you're about to hear, Wanted to just do a couple shout-outs. First things first, uh, E.J. Schwartz, recent guest on the pod, longtime friend of mine, and, of course, the brilliantly talented author of the upcoming debut novel, Before We Were Blue, is having a book release party on Tuesday, September 14th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. That's at the Barnes & Noble in Clark, New Jersey. If you can make it, your boy's going to be there. If you can't make it, just send her some love on social media. Really excited for EJ. Uh, Congratulations once again on all of your forthcoming success. Second shout out, uh, Danny and I spent the weekend in New York. Well, spent a couple hours on Saturday in New York um, at the Harry Potter New York store. We wore unintentionally matching t-shirts. Shout out to Carrie and Brian from ROR Apparel. Um, But as we were checking out uh, this very lovely, sales associate named Alyssa says to us do you two have a harry potter site or something we're like yeah we uh yeah we do watch i think i listened to your podcast and that was the first time that we've ever you know had a famous moment shall we say uh, and it was really cool Alyssa. you are awesome we had a really fun time getting to know you for a couple minutes um so that was that was wild. Anywho, enough of my rambling today. Longtime uh collaborators here on the podcast, Russell Holly and Jordan Jackson, are back on to talk all things Bad Batch and Star Wars in the wake of the Bad Batch season one finale. If you have not yet seen the Star Wars, the Bad Batch season one finale, which aired this past Friday. Um maybe don't listen. We don't talk about it too explicitly, but we do spoil some stuff. So uh, thief, you have been warned, beware. That's really it. So uh, yeah, let's dive in. The cavalry has arrived. Unofficial, but fairly official at this point. Creating Magic contributors, Jordan Jackson and Russell Holly are with me. Jordan, say hello. Hey, what's going on? Russell, say hello. Hi. Yeah, y'all, we are here to talk about the Bad Batch, to talk about Star Wars, and maybe some life talk as we get through. Who knows where this conversation is going to go? Welcome to the Star Wars Therapy Podcast. uh, Boy, see, I need to listen to that more than I need to facilitate that.
1: (laughs) Who, who knows what uh, hyperspace paths will lead us where in this conversation?
2: See, now I know that Jordan is not only uh, a fan of the Bad Batch, but is paying attention to the stuff happening in the High Republic.
1: Oh, I did not even. I actually am not. That was just a guess.
2: Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, we have something to talk about when this is over then. Cause, OK,
0: great. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Side note, as we talk about things after the episode, Russell, I'm really going to need the exact titles of those books that you want me to buy, because as followers of Muggle and Khakis, my loyal seven of them will know. Russell recommended on a previous podcast, I believe, if not, it was offline, uh, that I buy these Thrawn trilogy books. So I went to this great Mm. used bookstore in Windsor, Connecticut. I said, hey, I'm looking for this Thrawn trilogy. The guy said, oh, I know exactly what you want called me in two days and I found them. Here you go. I dove in. I saw Russell about two hours after I was like halfway through the first book because we were in New York for Harry Potter, New York stuff. And he's like, well, how is it? I'm like, yeah, you know, I met, uh, what was it? Mara Jade and I met Talon Cart. And he's like, those aren't the people you're saying. Yep.
2: So anywho, well, it turns out that is- there are in fact four Timothy Zahn trilogies that are all Thrawn. <laughs> yeah, I bought the this wrong point. Books
0: is really the moral <laughs> of the story here? Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> not the not the heir to the empire uh, trilogy is which is see that was what you were,
2: yeah, I, I wanted him to do the whole Thrawn interacting with uh with Vader and Thrawn interacting like you know like that that weird kind of contention where they were both like no the emperor loves me more no the emperor loves me more this like weird uh, back and forth that they do was, are those like, the, really those entertaining. Are- Are those the new ones? no those so you've got heir to the empire uh which right. is the set that steven is currently reading I um, okay no finished yeah. so, finished. finished so the, so the uh, with
0: um joris seboath yeah yeah, yeah. So,
1: so steven i've only read those i have not read the new thron stuff i've only read the ones that steven is has yeah you know, mistakenly completed I think <laughs> they were very so good. there's a there's <laughs> a,
2: a trilogy they're all awesome Timothy Zahn is a really fantastic writer he just like he owns thron so well that it's just really well done um no so the the set there is. Um, uh, Thrawn Treason uh, and then they have their two other books that follow it um, but what's funny is that like the reason that I dug into it was because there is a new trilogy that is almost being finished that is called uh, Thrawn Ascendancy the Ascendancy mm-hmm. series um, I didn't hear about that one and, uh, yeah, the Ascendancy series is before he joins the Republic, uh, whereas the, uh, the Thrawn Treason books are the moment he joins the Republic. And that book starts with uh, a bunch of uh, stormtroopers finding him basically in a loincloth on a deserted planet. And he just kind of murders his way into getting the Emperor's attention. Uh, yeah. And it's just it's very yeah,
0: entertaining. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's um, kind of how I became co-host of this podcast. Danny <laughs> found me on a deserted island, and I just murdered a bunch of people and just said, fine, you can co-host with yeah. me. It's all good.
1: Real, real Omni-Man vibes there. Which, you know. <laughs> anyway, I'm mentioning too many properties. Let's keep on track in Star Wars.
0: Well, keeping on track when I'm in the <laughs> host chair for an episode really is an oxymoron, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, so we ostensibly are talking about the Bad Batch today. So before we get to specific thoughts and feelings around the two-part finale, how do y'all feel about the Bad Batch writ large, both conceptually in terms of a, a series centered around these characters, as well as, of course, the execution of said series so far?
2: Mm-hmm. I So when we started the first podcast where we talked about after watching the first episode, Stephen, you said something that kind of stuck with me through this in that you said that it felt to you, the first episode of the Bad Batch felt to you like Saturday morning cartoon, like at its prime, like that feeling. Um, And I got to the end of the Bad Batch and realized that uh, that that's exactly what this show was right up until the last two episodes. And then the last two episodes feel very much like Clone Wars slash Rebels. Uh, and for me, that is both fantastic and deeply frustrating. I wanted a story of the Bad Batch doing a thing and winning a thing and like saving the day. Uh, and what I got was the Bad Batch meeting a bunch of really great you know, kind of making these other connections in the universe every episode, but not actually making like plot progress. And then we get two episodes of nothing but plot, like, you know, full throttle through. And it's not that I didn't enjoy every episode. Uh, It was just this weird, like we had a very specific tone for- 10 episodes and then a very, very different tone for two other episodes. And while personally, I preferred the last two episodes as far as kind of like tone and pacing and action and that kind of stuff, I I sat at every episode, like, you know, Friday morning, like I was a, a kid with a box of cereal and and loved it. So your, your you know, your metaphor or your, your realization that this felt like Saturday morning cartoons was incredibly apt right up until it wasn't.
1: <sighs> mm. Yeah, I I would tend uh tend to agree with pretty much all of that. Um the Saturday morning cartoon thing, yeah, is pretty uh is a pretty sort of profound uh, realization. It it does mirror Clone Wars seasons 1 through 6, which was also a syndicated TV show for Saturday for you know on Cartoon Network. And so the Bad Batch has its DNA through there, so that's that is expected. I guess that makes sense. Uh, But then the last two episodes, like you were mentioning, Russell, felt like Clone Wars Season 7, where it was mostly all plot. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think one of the things, and Russell, you pointed it out, which is interesting, is even throughout the quote-unquote plotless parts of the season, they're bringing in a lot of other characters that we recognize. Oh, yeah. They bring in... um, They bring in Fennec. They bring in... um, Cad Bane. Caleb makes an appearance. Cad Bane. Cad Bane Bane was a cool drop. That was a surprise. It was really great to see him again. Yeah. But the the one thing they don't do, which I thought was interesting, is I think it's the first time in Star Wars history that we don't see any way, shape, or form of a Jedi once which is not necessarily like i don't think that matters relative to what we saw on screen but it feels like an intentional choice i think it was and i and i love that honestly i think
2: that like if you read for for people who grew up reading the star wars books every time you run into like a like a planet where a jedi has shown up the 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 response to those people are always exactly the same where that like the locals are all like oh jedi are like a myth Like we only kind of heard about them in stories. It's so wild to see this guy here. Does he actually have superpowers? Is he going to lift like an entire mountain? Can he like, you know, turn me inside out? Like it's always this crazed reaction. Like they're seeing not just a celebrity, but but like a deity for the first time. Like the way that they're reacting in so many of the books and the movies and the shows never that like that, that reaction doesn't exist because it's always told from the perspective of the Jedi in mm-hmm. so many of these stories. So you never get that, like, holy crap, it's actually a Jedi thing for more than like half a second. Mm-hmm. I love that the Bad Batch has absolutely no Jedi in it and is still an incredibly compelling, great story. And I, I want to see more of that. Like, you know, uh, people got mad at me because I was bummed about the last episode of Mandalorian because I didn't want it to be Luke Skywalker. It's not that the scene wasn't amazing. It was visually just incredible. Like watching it was super, super great. We had two whole seasons of very few, like named characters from the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that showed up and then all of a sudden we've got this, you know, this nostalgia punch at the end. That we kind of didn't need like, you know, tying into the rest of the stuff that had done. It could have been Ezra Bridger. It could have been, uh, you know, it could have been Ahsoka Tano, like it could have been a couple of people who, sh- who responded to Grogu's message. So I deeply appreciate in the Bad Batch that like the one Jedi we get is is the one who dies in the beginning and uh and the Padawan that everyone goes oh oh I know who that was and and that's it that's, and that's he's all gone. the and yeah. he's gone we we see nothing from them again and I I deeply appreciate that about the series this
1: yeah uh, M- Mando season one specifically I think showed us uh, reminded us I should say that Star Wars can be cool without Jedis and lightsabers and 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 all that stuff um Star Wars can be really cool with with uh playing on its like western roots and like yeah mercenary gunslinger like the
2: whole space opera yeah. jam yeah
1: yeah 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 so um bad batch yeah and it's dave filoni it's really who it is um who's the i think producer of the show yeah uh, the executive uh, executive producer yeah, yeah 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 extraordinaire. As, he, as he was for you know Ten plus years on the Clone Wars. The guy uh, with the fedora. and Mando, uh, yeah. Um, uh, do you think maybe Russell that on Mando season two, maybe bringing in Luke Skywalker was maybe John Favreau's i more more idea than Feloni's. So-
2: yeah, I mean, it could have been either way. Yeah, I know John Favreau has a has a deep appreciation for the ability to deliver, you know, kind of that that jaw drop at the right time. He's very good at that in the in the things that he works on. Uh, you know, so I don't and again, so many other people were just overwhelmingly happy with that ending that I'm clearly the minority that I was like, "Man, I I really wish it wasn't Luke." And it was. It was beautiful. So, I, clearly from like a reaching a larger audience perspective, that was the right call. But I I do love that we have this massive universe and we're finally starting to see stuff that doesn't, doesn't involve these superheroes that we've just got, you know, kind of everyday folks who are doing awesome stuff. Uh, and, and that makes and, me happy.
1: And I do love that earlier in that same season, um, Ahsoka Tano shows up and she is a character that has been built up in these animated shows for, you know, years. And so when she does show up in full live action, played by Rosaria Dawson, it's like, and and she's treated like a samurai, like it's a samurai, like harking oh, back to so the yeah, yeah, good. yeah. The whole episode, I think, was maybe my favorite episode of the entire, um, yeah, uh,
2: Mando series. But I'm very, um, very excited for her standalone. Like that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. going to be cool. Also, like this gets into the weeds. I don't think most people are going to care about this until we actually get to her show. Ahsoka Tano, not a Jedi. Yes, technically not a Jedi. She, she, um we actually, thanks to the High Republic books, have a proper name for her because a lot of people have been calling her Grey Jedi for the longest time. Uh, the High Republic uh, re- has, has uh, kind of identified this this group of uh, Force users who don't follow the Jedi code and instead kind of go out on their own. They are called Wayfinders. Uh, and there's actually, yeah, there's, a, there's actually the Star Wars uh, primary YouTube channel has a, like a High Republic series that they're doing videos on. And there's a whole like 30 minute uh, episode that Ariel, uh, the host of that show does on wayfinders that if you want to learn more about go and go and watch because it's actually really good.
0: Okay, wait, wait, wait. Wayfinder, isn't that I'm also? Sorry, Wayseeker.
2: That is I was going to say, call.
0: isn't Wayfinder like a device that they use nope. to get to Exegol or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, it's their, their is they're way seekers Wayseekers. what me Wayseekler knowing Wayseekers. Listeners That's right. who have been on this podcast journey for the past year and a half, at one point I had never seen or heard of Star Wars. Uh, now I'm correcting. Now you. you're <laughs> yeah yeah. So uh, come a, a long is, way, Stephen. Yeah, I have come a long way. Thank you. Right. Um, We're all proud of you. <laughs>
1: you've ingested a lot of a lot of information about um space wizards and ships shaped like the alphabet
0: well well so that i have and i'll tell you and this leads into my next question which is high points and and low points for each of you from season Mm -hmm. one of the bad batch because i watched and read all of the star wars content in such a rapid succession a lot of it just kind of goes together in my head and i don't have like Super firm memories, like very explicitly of a lot of it. But when we got to the Ryloth um, episodes of The Bad Mm. Batch here, I was like, oh, why do I hate this so much? And then I remember it's because this, like, distinctly cheap, like, Israeli refugee political episodes from Clone Wars just sat so poorly with me when I watched them. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then they just brought it back for this. Anywho, that was my low point. Jordan, I'll I'll start with you. I'm curious, what were your high points and low points from from season one here? Man,
1: um, I think that a, a high point was just the first episode right off the bat, like setting up the right at the end. It's the end of the Clone Wars. Order 66 pops off during the episode. And, you know, when we last left, you know, this world, this Clone Wars timeline world, Order 66 popped off on a starship somewhere and Ahsoka and Rex were fighting their way out. And Ahsoka almost kills uh, or I'm sorry, Rex almost kills Ahsoka because his chip gets activated and that happens again. So we're basically just seeing it for now, I guess a third time, fourth, maybe. I mean, there's been a bunch of properties that covered Order 66 at this point, but each time it happens, it's like heartbreaking. It's like, oh no, oh no. Um, and so that was tragic, but also a very, very stunning way to to sort of start, start the uh, series off. Where it's like everything you know has changed. Even with the logo, like Clone Wars burns away and then Bad Batch is there. I loved that. Like I love those little touches. Um, another uh, f- sort of favorite episode for me was when Cad Bane uh, uh, captured Omega. So he captures Omega and he takes her to, or they end up on a floating uh, clone facility. So it's like the Topoka City, like Camino clone facility, but it's crossed with, crossed with Bespin, Cloud City. So it's like a cloning facility is floating in the sky, which I thought was so cool, like such a cool location. And that episode was very high stakes because you know Cad Bane's like a dangerous dude. And, you know, uh, uh, one of the um, Kamen-, Kamen Owens died. Like one of the main characters from episode one died. You're like, oh, oh no. Um, um, So that was a high point for me. And then the, the finale was very emotional and meeting back up with the crosshair and him, the reveal that his... Uh, chip has been out the whole time and all that stuff so that was those were some high points just to uh, touch on them and then probably all the low points take place in the meandering sort of side questy episodes where like they're they're going to uh rescue the the baby rancor for bib Fortuna. i thought that was cute but i I was also like you know i watched the the morning of that episode i'm watching it through and i'm just like halfway through the episode i'm like we didn't Nobody asked for this, <laughs> but anyway, um, still a fun episode. But all, most of the low points happened like during the whole side questy episodes, doing missions for Sid. Like the whole Sid dynamic, I didn't, I didn't necessarily gel gel with that when they were doing kind of side missions for her.
0: So Jordan brought it up. So let me ask you, Russell, what did you make? Slash, do you believe? the whole crosshair no longer has his chip, crosshair is just inherently an evil dude kind of thing. Like what, how did that all sit with you? Yeah, so I mean, by the time you get to the end of the finale, it's
2: the the, the message that they're trying to get across is uh, while the rest of the Bad Batch was happy kind of being their own team and then kind of always being outsiders and kind of doing what they felt like was the right thing, Crosshair wanted to belong somewhere. And when the Republic was going out and the empire was coming in, he had this opportunity to belong. He had this opportunity to be a part of something bigger and actually be recognized as a, as a leader and, and kind of be a part of something and not just this kind of small group that was constantly looked down upon. Cause you get from the beginning of the bad batch, you know, they, they come back from a mission and they, they get to the base on Camino and they're, they're going back to their room. Like, The regs don't like them and they don't like the regs and everyone kind of, you know, shits on them a little bit, even though they're 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 pretty awesome. Uh, And then the Empire shows up and treats everyone like trash and he's got this opportunity to fit in and he takes it and he takes it at you know, tremendous personal cost, uh, cause none of he, he thought that his friends were going to come with him. Like here's an opportunity to, to not just be seen as soldiers, but to be seen as, as heroes of the empire for, for how, you know, how much they can accomplish and how much better they are than these TK troopers, which we later know are stormtroopers. Uh, that's, you know, that, that is kind of the message that you finally get to at the end, but the way that we get to it is a little on the clumsy side and, you know part of that is um you know we we find out that he's got the chip removed or that the chip had been dealt with but even like even then hunter looks at him and goes like like when like when when did that happen and he just kind of shrugs and we have no idea when it happened did it happen when half his face got blown off you know two episodes ago or you know had it happened longer than that like that never gets addressed He just goes, it's been a while.
0: Well, am, am am I misremembering? Or at the start of this series, isn't he led away? For some perce- I assume, yeah. procedure. Uh, yeah, so you're that's, right. So, so oh, that's I, okay. Yeah, he's led right. away for
1: so, a procedure to amp up the effects of right. the ship. Right, exactly.
0: Exactly. That's exactly right. right. And so,
1: Tarkin I does the order. So, I don't it don't to reconcile be, all that.
2: It has to be when his face gets blown off, because mm. like, he's got this like huge scar back here in his head, which is pretty much where the injection site was for the other mm. when they were doing that. The, yeah. So, like, but that's that's like three weeks ago at the point in which he's delivering this grand speech. Like it, it wasn't a lot of time. Uh, You know, is so, he just
1: sort of trying to, is it just sort of metaphorically telling you that he's like, he, he feels like he's like Vader, right. He feels like he's too far gone. That's what, it that's what the finale felt like to me. He's like, I'm too yeah, far I, gone down this own path.
2: Yeah. I, I think he, he was tired of being, the person on the outside and he, and like when he was a part of, even though he was a clone and, and he was separate, uh, he was still a leader of a team. He was still a part of this bigger thing. And, and, you know, he wasn't treated as directly as an outsider uh, when, when he was leading that team as he was, mm. as a member of the bad batch, like,
0: mm. so, so long yeah. as we're talking about crosshairs, um, plot, clumsiness, every single scene over the last like two episodes, really all of them throughout the season, but particularly between Hunter and Crosshair, where it's like it's like a classic like, you know, rom-drom where the, the guy character is like, if you don't tell me that you're settling down with me, I'm leaving. She should not say anything. He goes, okay, I'm walking right. to the door now. I, and the, there was this one inter- interaction in the second part of the finale where they're in I think it's when they're in their old barracks, and Hunter's like, "This is your chance to join us." And Crosser's like, "I made my choice." And they have the same yep. set of dialogue like seven oh, times yeah. in a row. Even even
2: oh, when Omega looks like at it's just like, "Hey, mm-hmm. you can still, you can still come I'm on." Sorry, who? Yeah, no, who? we're not doing this. I think th- I think her name is Omega. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do the you gotta do the the
1: New, New Zealand accent because well, yeah. Uh,
0: I'll, I'll tell you on that note. Um, one of my biggest regrets from this season is that they didn't choose to go in a Jim Dale route. Um, D. Bradley Baker is the name of the mm-hmm. voice actor, yes. They should have done what Jim Dale did for Hermione when Jim Dale does like a 11 year old girl voice. And he's like, Harry, Ron. D. Bradley Baker should have voiced Omega. Because <laughs> then it would have really wow. felt fitting because then she really would have been, you know, just like all so, the other clones. And instead they had a different voice. We- <laughs> talking
2: about the thing that disappoints us the most about this series that like kind of the low the low point for me we start this series being like hey here's this other clone you didn't know about and this clone doesn't follow the rules of the other clones and by the time we get to the end like uh, my brain at the start of this, when we were talking about this, you know, several months ago was we're going to we're going to learn a bunch more about where she comes from and like her origin and like why she's special because she's very much treated as special. The Kaminoans spent a lot of money getting multiple bounty hunters to try and get this person back because clearly they mean something. And throughout the series, we learned that she's got more or less all of the individual assets that make the actual bad batch clones unique. She's got the tactical, you know, inclinations that Hunter's got. She has th- some of the technical inc- inclinations that tech has, you know, she has, uh, some of that pinpoint accuracy that crosshair has, uh, mm. echo doesn't count because echo is not actually a member of the bad batch. Um, you know so she's got these individual points that make the the individual um you know bad badge members special. Oh, and she's got the like run headfirst into whatever the problem is that, that wrecker's got. Um that's which cool. is that's a cool
1: observation. Like, yeah, she's so, kind of the best
2: parts of the yeah, that's cool. Right. She's got these individual things. Um, and she's also the only female clone. All all the clones up until this point had had been men. Um, you know, so the weird that we get two weird things. The first is that uh, there's never any effort to figure out what makes her special in, in the entire, like none of the people who are around her ever try to like get information from Camino or like, you know, none of the Kaminoans who are hunting her take time to elaborate to the Empire about why she's special. Like there's never mm-hmm. there's never that point where it's like this is why this child matters. We also she <laughs> she makes it clear in the finale that she's older than they are. Uh, mm-hmm. she doesn't go through any of the growth yeah, yeah acceleration that the, the soldier clones go through mm-hmm. but with no explanation as to why so like we get to the end and I don't feel like we know anything about this character that as far as I'm aware the show was basically built around
0: it's interesting one comment I'll quickly make is Omega, that's how I choose to pronounce it. Um, goes through a fair amount of character growth throughout the season, but to your point, we don't learn anything really about our backstory beyond a couple sparse details. Whereas, I feel the rest of the Bad Batch we don't get any character growth from Mm. like who they are. Episode one. I mean, with the exception of, of course, Hunter Hunter gets
2: Hunter figures out that the, that the resistance, it is more like the Republic. He thought he was defending than the Republic he was defending actually was like the whole whole bit on Ryloth, you know, gets into that. The main character growth for the whole team
1: is sort of this realizing that it's not all black and white, that, the empire is not the Republic and maybe they've been, maybe they need to leave the leave the cause that they've been fighting for the whole time.
2: But it turns out but, the separatists weren't like entirely wrong. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So there's some that morally great. Um, I do want to jump back to your point, um, Russell of talking about the specialness of Omega or Omega, depending on what part of the country?
0: The <laughs> part of creating, what part the, of the, the official, world you're in? The official creating magic podcast pronunciation is Omega. I'm just throwing Omega, it out there. yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but so, so the, she is special, and I, I took it to under Although I will, I will admit it's definitely clumsy. Like Steve, instead of how, uh, how they get to these sort of reveals and these character um, backstories and stuff, it's kind of, cl- uh, it's not. It, it's kind of hard to follow because it's these 30 minute incre- increments every week and they drop little tidbits and stuff. Yeah. But, um, but for Omega, um, the, the way I understood why she, so so she, so Boba Fett designation is alpha. He's the right. first, he's the first clone created. So that was dropped in the, I was dropped in the show. I don't remember mm-hmm. what episode it was, but they, they say Boba Fett is alpha is designation alpha, which means, uh uh omega is just the the last uh letter in the greek alphabet meaning she's the last clone maybe their last their last one that they made or last whatever bit bit of clone like she's kind of the she signifies the end of the clone wars and the end of making clones
2: yeah maybe like the end of the genetic material they had available or something sure uh, and so how that works
1: uh, yeah and 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 how it sort of makes sense to me is that she has the most... They wanted her back because she had the most pure sort of fet uh, genetic material available. Um, So they were trying to get her back so they could start making more clones.
2: Yeah, so there's... The the really... (laughs) <laughs> the thing that happened at the beginning of this series that the internet lit itself on fire trying to figure out like what her genetic source material was. There was multiple conversations that Steven and I had about whether she was a Palpatine. Uh, oh, yeah. there's you, you dig down a couple of different, uh, paths, um, you know, trying to, uh, identify her as Ray's mother, uh, mm. in, in a couple uh-huh. of different places. Like there's, there's a lot of weirdness that goes into this. Um, this, the closest thing that I can come to her, like her being unique, and this wasn't something that we learned. Uh, this is this is largely speculation based on the very last of scene from uh, from this series, um, is that uh, she was an example of uh, combining genetic materials to create something new. And the reason that I say that uh, is that the 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 person at the end who is talking to uh, Doctor Wei, The the Kaminoan who uh, who was brought into custody is is from the the cloning team for the the Mm -hmm. Imperial cloning team, and this got pointed out uh, almost immediately. It's the same uniform and the same patch uh, that the dude who takes Grogu's blood in the Mandalorian. Doctor Pershing, yeah, fuck that guy. Um, (laughs) So, you know. The 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 conclusion that this has been extended to by a whole bunch of people on the Internet is that Grogu's blood was used to create uh, the force sensitivity in Snoke Mm -hmm. Uh, that that's that's kind of how, you know, all of this eventually ties together. Uh, And so. You know, if if that turns out that the reason that she's special is that she is the product of you know not just a cloning but a creating a new thing from from multiple sources and that is somehow new in this universe, uh, then I can see that you know hopefully being something that we dive into in, in the next season. Um, but if that ends up being the case, if that if that huge stretch of logic connecting all of these these different shows ends up uh, being the case, it means that from the point. Uh, dr way is taken into imperial custody uh, and snoke becomes a legitimate threat in the universe is 54 years the empire sucks at this that's a lot of time.
1: they're better at making giant uh space lasers like the kaminoans
2: had whole armies in the span of like a couple of years Mm -hmm. and and it Fifty years okay. later, we get that one mutant okay. goblin bastard.
1: Okay, but this leads me to an interesting point, which was brought up. I actually never played these games, but I did read enough about it, or I, I played like played them at a friend's house or whatever. But I never, I never like played through all these games. But the uh, the Force Unleashed, right with um, Star Killer, Vader's Secret Apprentice, which those games are no longer canon. But I believe in that series, in that video game series, they sort of establish. Um, and they maybe established this in uh, Stephen the the Throne trilogy, the uh, Jors, uh C-, 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 C bios see C- both. I don't remember how to say it, but I couldn't even tell you. So so in that in that book series, there's a clone of Luke, right? And it's it's Luke, right? That, and, got, oh, right. that, that got so yeah. trippy at the end. Yeah oh yeah yeah. God. So 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 it's it's just it's in the expanded universe. They haven't really brought this over into like Disney canon yet, but. There seems to be this, and, and this is also reinforced in the Force Unleashed. But cloning force-sensitive beings, like, doesn't work. Like you can't make a clone of a force-sensitive right. being, or else it turns out bad, right? So I'm thinking that they're maybe bringing in a bit of that from the from the uh, Legends canon in over into the main canon, where they can't. They're trying to figure out how to clone a body to be able to be force sensitive and have many and stuff. That's the only thing that, that's kind of what I picked
0: up from that and why say, it took them
1: so long and why like Snoke is deformed and stuff.
0: I like that. I will yeah. say the two, the, on the note of the M word, um, I love that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, right. That despite the fact that this whole series takes place centered around either the physical the physical location or the conceptuality of uh Canino you know? Metachlorans mm-hmm. is not a concept that is ever once
2: well, so it's not mentioned here, but it is uh the Mandalorian uh has there's like a there's like a readout that someone has. I think it's the doctor Pershing has uh, has a little like hand pad and mm-hmm. it in instead of spelling out minaclorians, it just says MC. And that's that's it. We right. we never actually say the word. Yeah, he just looks and so he just funny. like he looks down at the pad and the MC count is really high. And he's like, Yep, this is the good stuff. And and he moves on. Yeah, and that's, like, that's it. I so it's like I, it's
1: it's in there we just it's just one of those parts yeah. of Star Wars that are like they've ah, just yeah.
2: decided they've just decided we're not going to say the word out loud anymore we're, yeah. like we can't we can't make it go away cuz it's in one of the movies but we can uh we can we can kind of dance our way around it yeah but so, i like
1: or- i like my head canon of uh, and maybe it's maybe they're trying to do this but bring in the whole it's difficult to or maybe impossible uh, thus far to clone a force-sensitive being or to create artificially create a force-sensitive being
0: yeah and i think you know i I agree russell on the theory you have around omega um, because i've seen a lot of different recap blogs and you know, Twitter, Twitter users are like, say that o- Omega I I've almost slipped up and said Omega is the perfect clone. But we know that's not true as simplistically as possible, because she does not look like uh, the rest of the clones. She yeah. is paler. She has blonde hair, which, by the way, as many people have pointed out, is styled pretty dang close to what Palpy looks like in a lot of the Clone Wars. Uh, so she, she the theories. Yeah. Right. So, like, quite literally, she, despite the fact that as you walk through, she has all the different traits of all the different, you know, components, she just can't, by definition, be a perfect clone of of Django, right? Maybe if we're bringing in other. And the other thing I would say is, again, maybe I'm misremembering, um, is I feel like somewhere in the middle of the season when the, the, Camino head doctor lady and the Camino politician guy were talking in a private room. They mentioned something about how uh, Omega was particularly important to the emperor. I, mm-hmm. I okay. may, I may be yeah. making that up entirely. I don't I, know
1: if you are, I seem to remember something about that too. It
0: was like, I mean, it's it kind
1: of, it's kind of driven home by the end of the finale where the, again, the cloner uh, suited lady is like, let's bring, let's, you know, let's bring her in, bring this Camino and in Nala say, right. Let's bring her in and like, go have her work for us. So that's kind of driven home. I think that there may be some cause for that. And to those connected tissues to the whole, that one scene in Mando and the fact that Palpatine returns and Snoke and stuff like that. I think they're, I don't think it's a leap to like make those connections. It seems like they're, they're trying to plant some seeds.
0: So regardless of Omega's genealogy, um, mm-hmm let's talk about implications of that final scene and let's project out in the season two what we'd like to see and or what we think we're going to see. Um, mm. So as we pointed out, uh, season one ends with, I thought her name was Namaste this whole time, but Nala-si. Namaste. Namaste. Well, That's it, funny.
1: Yeah, that makes sense because they're all like, Tranquil sounding, yeah, yeah that's and like funny. she
0: was a lot more. She seemed to be a lot more uh, soft. Isn't the right word, but whereas the politician one was a lot more hardline. She seemed, mm-hmm. to, you know, anyhow. That that's just my own idiocy. Well, and that's she also doesn't fall for. She doesn't
2: fall into the stereotypical scientist either, where she's like hard science doesn't care about like the the like she cares about the health and the the well being of all of these creations, including mm-hmm. and and to a significantly greater degree, Omega. She hired
1: the she hired Fennec, right? She's yeah. the one who hired Fennec to, to go.
2: Fennec and uh and I, I think Gad? she I think she hired Cabane and Fennec Sean. I think that she hired Fennec. I think the that counter. maybe
0: Tad. I th- oh, yeah, that's what it I was. Ma- ma- Again, maybe I'm just misremembering this entire season, but I thought it was Camino officially hired Cat Bane to retrieve mm-hmm. Omega and 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 kill off the Bad Batch. Like, right. And, and Namaste, Nalasi hired Fennec mm-hmm. to right. make sure that didn't happen. And that's yeah.
2: I, But that's like either way, you're, a lot of money was spent on third parties to try and acquire this target. And we still don't yeah. know why.
0: So what? Are but we, there is a season two. Which, yeah. So so what are we what are we thinking we're going to see in season two? Yeah. So, so
1: I, I I do want to say real quick that I think that that may explain the pace, this very slow pacing of the plot points in the in in this season one, is mm-hmm. the fact that we are getting a season two. I think that may part because if this sure. was like a short run series where it's like
2: sixteen episodes and that's all you get, right? It would have been
0: Mandalorian have been.
2: style. Every episode means something.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Very yeah. few, very few filler. If you want to call it that filler.
2: So. Not filler, just not, did not move the plot. Well, like mm-hmm. it's not that it. like the episodes that didn't move the plot. We still met cool characters. It's still tied mm-hmm. into other points in the star Wars universe in ways that were significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, take or leave the uh, the episodes that happen on Ryloth a lot of like cross pollination with the rest of the star wars universe happens mm-hmm. in those two episodes like a lot mm-hmm. of stuff even if you mm-hmm. set aside uh harrison dula's you know kind of early character development stuff mm-hmm. uh there's there's just a ton of kind of tying in with the rest of the the stuff there that goes in so like but based on that there's really only one place for the bad batch to go next and that is kind of the pre rebellion groups that are that are coming together right so like going to places to make money is kind of their only bet and the empire certainly isn't going to hire them to be mercenaries and they're not going to settle on you know some backwater planet so the only group that's going to have money to be able to do stuff with them are are probably going to be the people on um Some of the wealthier planets, you know, we might see them go to Naboo or
1: people
0: like Bail Organa
1: that are like kind of funding the rebellion. Yeah, Mon Mothma, like those 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 people. That said,
0: the whole mercenary thing throughout this entire season. Obviously, they had to spend money at various points to improve the ship, but where is other mercenaries throughout the series talk about and or show off their wealth? It's not like at any point the Bad Batch is like walking around with flashy stuff. Like, hey, look what our money got us from this mission. Yeah, they're,
2: they're buying bigger guns, right? Or, yeah. or like better tactical equipment, and stuff it's, like that. Ship fuel.
0: It seems, to, fuel. Be, it seems yeah. to be moving in a lot heavier of a direction of cause-oriented fighting rather than we'll do anything for a paycheck. And that's the thing. Like they they need a
2: cause, but it's going to be a while before Hunter like fully turns around to... Like, you know, yes, we are allies with, you know, Senator Organa. Like, I, I don't think that's why I, th- I said maybe Naboo first, because uh, before it became known as the place where the weird fish people lived and all of the funny accents happened, Naboo in the books was this like culture center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like this huge place of wealth uh, with within the galaxy. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we end up making a trip back to Naboo. Also, because uh, a spoiler in the High Republic, uh, someone in the Star Wars universe is trying to uh, is trying to cleanse the reputation of the Gungan population in, in story form, uh, because in. Uh, in those books, we have met a Gungan who is uh, not only incredibly intelligent, uh, but lacks the silly accent. Uh, yeah, that all of the he, Gungans Jar Jar is brilliant and has no accent. I don't know what you are talking about. <laughs> I hate you.
0: Um, do we think in season two they're going to finally buy Omega some armor? Because no. like, oh, oh, she's hey, in all these battles Harry. with this weird bow and arrow thing, and so, she's just in like linen.
1: Yeah, right. I did think that was odd. Theory that I had, um, have no idea if it's going to play out, but I do know that this is a Filoni that Dave Filoni is the producer of this show. Dave Filoni is one of the producers on Mandalorian and Ahsoka and all the other shit. Like, he's like effectively the. Kevin Feige, the Star Wars uh, Godfather. Uh, yeah, the Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Uh he's he's our only hope. Um, <laughs> um and uh, and with that, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave episode. That,
0: episode. Leave. <laughs> we can't.
1: We're done. <laughs> Help us Bellini, your only hope. Um, but he he has already set up animated characters to appear in live action via Ahsoka, Bo Katan, all that stuff. I think that we're going to see Omega in one of these live action shows coming up. Uh and I, I think that because she's set up as effectively Boba's sister or like just the a, a sort of Fett, yeah. a girl version of Boba Fett.
0: We right?
2: are getting the book of Boba Fett. That is right.
1: So I have a theory that maybe she may show up and I, that that's more of a plausible theory. This is a less part of plausible part of that theory. There's a um, in Sid's uh, office, there's uh, one of those Mandalorian helmets on her shelf and it's the white version of the of the Boba Fett helmet that's like the Ralph McQuarrie like concept drawing of Boba Fett with the visor on it. I want her to show up in the white Boba Fett proto armor that's like the Ralph McQuarrie like concept art. Yeah, I don't hate that. That's pretty that's, cool. That sounds really cool to me, and I. In my head, like thought that would be so cool if she shows up in one of these live action series wearing that but armor.
2: She's also for the at the very least for the first episode or two of the second season of the Bad Batch. She already has armor. Uh, his name is Az. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wait. No. Az died. It didn't. He get dropped no, in the ocean. No. 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 <laughs> because they did that really stupid illogical oh my god is crosshair gonna use a sniper rifle from point blank range to oh, shoot hunter yeah. in the head
1: that's right
0: that's right which let me just say that was crazy <laughs> there's i i can understand oh yeah of course crosshair on skill hunter he's been saying it the whole frequent season but at that point in the episode where they're all on these pieces of shrapnel kind of floating there is no logical reason why he would use that moment when he's surrounded by the rest of. No, that was. I was like, no, he's like, he's clearly gonna shoot into the ocean to save Omega and the little droid that I confuse with Cad Bane's droid. So I was very hmm. confused why it was. They are out. very similar. They both float. They're both floaty boys. It was the dumbest thing. Absolute dumbest thing. Also, <laughs> also, how do you think Crosshair gets off of that platform? Because I ask this because. During the bombing of of Camino, mm-hmm. somehow, dope scene by the way. Music dope scene, and although that, yeah. it was very uh, season eight, episode three, the Battle of Winterfell, where it was just way too dark. I tried turning up my brightness, my resolution, a lot on my oh, TV. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was just like, okay, we get it. There's smoke and smog and fire, but this is unnecessarily dark. It's a TV show. Yeah. Um, anywho, they happen to miss this platform with a ship on it altogether.
2: Oh, it's well, the, the platform happened. was was quite a bit away and well, so, it was underwater at
0: the time. Well, so it's quite it's quite a bit away, which leads to my next point when they bring the scout team in to see if there's any remaining things or whatever, they're going to look around the wreckage of the city. Are they how are they going to find a crosshair chilling by himself on that platform? Okay. He'll have an imperial comp beacon. Do those things work after being submerged underwater?
2: Everything really? else seems to in this universe.
0: I just didn't. <laughs> the just greatest didn't. thing,
2: greatest thing about technology in the Star Wars universe is that it is all apparently imperious to everything. You can drown it, you can rub dirt on it, you can, you can pee on it. It like it just keeps working. That droid was fully functional underwater. Uh I if I drop my phone particularly hard into a puddle, I need to buy a new one. Um, and, and this droid is just like doing all kinds of stuff underwater. So like, uh, clearly his calm beacon is fine. I just as far really as, wanted,
0: yeah, I just really wanted a post-credit scene where it was just crosshair yeah. sitting there just like, <sighs> just like, you know, like the, five days later sitting Five in stupid, days yeah. later, um, Yeah.
2: Anyhow. He's yeah, got no, a fire going. He's like, look, uh, oh. all yeah. of those things. Those those big ships are still up there. And and as soon as they pick up a, a distress com beacon, they'll be like, Oh yeah, let's come down and get him.
0: Um also so I'm jumping around a lot here, but I'm remembering the episode more as we talk about it, which I suppose is a good thing. Um the the commander of that ship, what's his name? Admiral oh man, hold on. Admiral the 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 guy. The guy who Tarkin told the fire you know. Yeah. Yeah. Admiral he, Rampart. Admiral Rampart looked like a grown-up version of Woody. Because the animation is somewhat similar to Toy Story. And sure. If, if you look at his face, it almost looked like when you see Sheriff Woody with the super waxy kind of dimples and jaw that's kind of indentation. Sure. Um, I was like, oh, that's, hey.
1: To, to be fair, that's every Imperial officer. They're be- just space Nazis is the idea. That is,
2: that is definitely true. Now... Speaking of animation, uh, we did get an episode where we kind of meet the stormtroopers for the first time. They're like, these don't have, you know, the, the same, you know, kind of designation as you. These are TK troopers. They're they're different. And that's the whole like, these are we're officially shifting into stormtroopers. So we got mm-hmm. this slight change in animation uh and and a slight design update as, as these new armor uh pieces come through. The animation style chosen for Clone Wars and Bad Batch really lends itself terribly to Stormtrooper armor. Stormtrooper armor is immaculate. It's like super clean. It's polished. It doesn't have any kind of streaks on it. The fact that we see dirty Stormtrooper armor in the Mandalorian is significant because they don't have the money or resources to like continuously polish their armor like they did uh, when the Empire was in its heyday. And yet... All of the stormtrooper armor in the Bad Batch, uh, because of the like brush style, mm-hmm. it just all looks gross and dirty, and it's so distracting to me. Mm-hmm. You, can, and- you
1: wish the yeah, you wish the TK troopers that they see on that forest planet um, were like more stark white you know
2: they they should have been yeah so there's like yeah. that's like the whole you know the whole everything that we see from stormtroopers specifically throughout the Star Wars universe is that they are these like you know uniformed polished like perfect stormtrooper things that uh are are shoved in armor and pushed out before they learn any kind of uh weapons training um and and you know kind of act as the as the ta- you know militia taught, force or taught how to aim or yeah, just basics, yeah. the The barrel end goes that way, sort of. <laughs> but um, there's
1: more of them. Like we, like we, we're, we're led to believe that there's vastly more stormtrooper.
2: That was Tarkin's uh, whole jam. Yeah, yeah, Tarkin, like Tarkin's whole conversation is just like, oh, okay, so the Bad Batch guys are they're better. Uh, they're certainly better than than our our stormtroopers. But we've we've got so many stormtroopers. We just we kidnap kids all day long, guys. Like, what do, what do we need to to clone for? We just we just go kidnap a few more kids. Like this is this is super easy. Um. So yeah, it's it's fascinating that that the way that conversation happens. Like the Empire was not very good at this.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to me. <laughs> That's one of the things in all in in pretty much all of Star Wars that I thought was an interesting. Because I remember being a kid when the prequels were coming out and we didn't, we had, we didn't know what, we didn't know what the Clone Wars looked like. Right. Really? Yeah. Right. This is 97, eight, you know, I was nine years old or whatever. I was watching the uh, special editions on VHS, right. The, of the original trilogy. And then episode two comes out, right. Years, a couple years later, 2002. And these, all of these clone troopers have, they look like stormtroopers. And so I just thought it was interesting from the creator himself, from Lucas himself, he's, he makes a tie. He makes a tie from the Republic to the empire with how the armor is shaped, but also it's the clone wars. And so they're all clones. And then it shifts and this show finally shows us after, you know, however many 2002. So um, yeah. Like how that shift works, how that shift actually works. Which is what I thought the show was going to do, but I just thought it was an interesting thing and kind of a weird, difficult thing to show really to flesh out and make it make sense. But I, I, I buy the whole the Empire leads with might, you know, the, the Empire is just going to throw more more resources into it, hence making a giant death space station laser the Republic never made a giant death space station laser one because they weren't authoritarian and two, because they probably didn't want to throw that much resources into
2: it. Which is another deeply enjoyable thing about the Thrawn series that I'm, I'm going to send to Steven, uh, is that it happens during the creation of the death star, but during a time where nobody knows that the death star is being created. So it's Mm. like tucked away somewhere and it's still just project stardust. Like it's still, you know, it's still this, this, this project thing. And Thrawn figures it out. Uh, because all of these resources that he needs for something else keeps getting diverted to something. And Thrawn does the whole like Batman detective thing and figures it out and goes to the, That's goes cool. to, I think to like pal, like Tarkin. And it's just like, hey, so this other thing you're working on, knock it off. I need these things for Tide Defenders, uh, which, which was cool. Cause it like, it brings all of this stuff, like from Rebels and from like all of this stuff, like kind of puts it all together. I love it when those kind of, opportunities arise, like to to kind of pull all these different things into a single cohesive thought is a lot of fun. And I did really enjoy that aspect of the transition from clone troopers to stormtroopers in Bad Batch. Like the way that it just kind of pulled all of these strings and and made it work. Like I I enjoyed that a lot.
1: I did like that. I also like the subtle um things you see happening on each planet of the Empire sort of tightening their grip. Um they yeah. kind of hark they kind of harken back to the in the episode where they're talking about chain codes and like establishing Imperial credits versus Republic credits yeah. and stuff like that. And they're trying to like register everybody. Um, it it kind of reminded me of that scene we get in, in solo when they're, they're getting off Corellia, mm-hmm. but they uh, uh, Han Solo and, and Kira get separated and it's, they're all like crowded in a group and it's, it's, it's supposed to kind of evoke that world war two sort of refugee like thing that, um, Stephen kind of pointed out was sometimes haphazardly, sort of shoved in there. It's not like a, it's not a very clean analogy. Um, well, when they but, go to
0: Ryloth, I mean, come yeah. on, they they're yeah. like, hey, who are the most Israeli-sounding so, voice actors we can find? Well, so okay, and let's just give them an entire plot that's predicated around we're losing power to a different ethnic and cultural faction. Mm-hmm and let's just I specifically, mean, specifically I space nazis, nazis. i <laughs> did yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: i
1: know i did see a different interpretation of that though um i just heard this today actually which i thought was really interesting when i was i was kind of like going through like review up like youtube review recaps of some of the episodes because i'm,
0: I'm glad somebody prepared for
1: this <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah good. um teacher's pet but um no i uh Somebody had mentioned that the Ryloth, um, they all speak, have French accents. And so they're kind of maybe supposed to be with French resistant, resistance.
0: Who the hell thinks that was a French accent? They're kind of French. I mean, they're French. To, no. Like, no. Look, look, I, I say this. I, I hate to be like as the token Jew, but as the token <laughs> Jew with Israeli relatives. Uh, that okay. oh, that's,
1: it's, it's That's what you're saying. OK, yeah, sure. For sure.
0: I just heard that. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna insult the French and the Israeli by trying to do either <laughs> yeah, accent no. right now. But if you listen, I can hear it in yeah. my head. When you listen to, um, the the militant couple. What's oh what is their it names? Harris? Um, parents. Yeah. When you listen. Yeah. Sindu- the yes. Sindoulas. <laughs> yeah. The Sindoulas. The the skinnier version. Yeah. The the because the, isn't also Sindula the really yeah. big one? What's the name of the, What's his name? There's. Yeah. Doesn't uh, matter. Doesn't matter.
2: The, Samis, oh, the one that the, they the only at. example that we get of the other kind of Twilek, uh, because there are there are there's the, the two tailed and the single-tailed
1: ones, right? They're single they're,
2: Yeah. There, well then then there's the there's kind of the off brand, the offshoot that is like Ahsoka where it have they have the the kind of fancy Leku. Um they're all from Ryloth. Um Ahsoka's not a I suppose Twilek though. She's not. Uh, she's a different species, but the species also comes from Rylos.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. You know, the more I think about it, you probably could make an argument that the Rylathians are actually Palestinian and the Empire are the Israelis, but that's a whole other oh, layer of political geopolitical yeah, no. nuance that I don't need to go down. I, I also podcast. don't think that
1: they're thinking um, about it as hard as you're thinking about it
0: or, or as um, we're thinking about it, rather. I mean, look, if you really want, look, you know, I'm not, I have not prepared notes on this, so Lord knows we don't need to go this deep down the rabbit hole. But if you think back to the origins of how George Lucas conceptualized Star Wars and what it was meant to mm-hmm. represent the, the bones of a fictional universe reflecting modern day geopolitics. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Anywho, it, they're definitely not French. not French. Okay. I just, no, that's not a French accent. Um, <laughs> So, Jesus, um, I can hear Danny in my head listening to this episode being like, he went down such a streak. And what, what is he doing? The last thing I want to talk about are expectations. So I, despite, you know, th- this series as we've covered is a Verse series. It's something that if you liked Clone Wars and you liked Rebels, um, is very much in that. That's thing. what my it's, Disney Plus
1: recommendation said. For sure. If you like these two, right. you might
2: like. I messed up by the way. Exactly. Uh, Togrutas actually come from Sheely, but they do have an outpost on Twilek. Oh, on on Rylath, know yeah. On Rylath, yeah. Uh, so the uh, there are three different species of uh of Creature of, of humanoid creatures within the Star Wars universe that all have leku in various forms, mm-hmm. the Twilek, the Togruta, and only the male version uh, of Azralanzo. Interesting. Okay. Apparently, yeah. female Azralanzo do not have leku.
1: I'm gonna clock that in, and I'm gonna use that on a future trivia, Star Wars trivia uh, question that I know I'll get.
0: I'm not even going to remember it
1: the second week <laughs> and, end, of, end and, of the recording. As but. I'm now
2: diving into this uh, this Star Wars Wikipedia page. because Which, so by the way, Stephen,
1: this is what happens in live... Like, you're seeing in live action what Russell and I end up doing when we're watching, you know, an episode of Bad Batch with Ryloth and all that stuff. We're like, wait, how many types of tw- tw- uh, Twilight are there? Every time.
2: If a, if I don't you know. three like, tabs open while one of these things are happening, like, I'm, yeah. I've done something wrong.
0: Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, this this series is has a limit in theory has a much more limited kind of core audience, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are a fair share of let's call them Star Wars originalists who don't necessarily love a lot of the paths that Dave Filoni has ventured down since having greater creative control over the course of the past decade. That said, there was a lot of hype and expectation around this series when it dropped. And as we just saw for the past, what, two, three months, mm-hmm. it was the only new Star Wars property that was out with any sort of frequency over that time. So executions were really high and there was nothing else for the Star Wars universe to kind of grasp onto good, bad, or otherwise. Which means that we spent a lot of time critiquing it, again, good, bad, or otherwise. Looking ahead to season two, which they say is gonna drop in 2022 next year, Bad Batch season two is going to be one of at least four different Star Wars shows that are, are coming out next year. And we'll, so I think that
1: we'll have already had Visions by then as well. Yeah, Star Wars Visions, which is the an- animated anthology series, the anime inspired one.
2: It's also a decreased. Uh, it's also a decreased audience um, because there's always a subset of people, be they Star Wars fans or not, who don't dig animated stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and who won't yeah, go and watch it divider. anyway. So, like, of the Star Wars universe as, uh, you know, kind of writ large, the, the people who are enjoying the Bad Batch right now are, are probably, I don't know, maybe half?
0: It's all to say that I think the way we consume the series next year and think about it's going to be so drastically different Mm -hmm. because if this series truly is the last two episodes, maybe as the exception, something you just turn on to enjoy being in the realm and to see characters and hear the, you know, like if that's what it's meant to be, I think we can enjoy it more when you also have multiple other series that are taking up a more critical lens in your kind of mind's eye. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this fits within the larger disney plus realm next year
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's a good it, that's a good
1: observation good. yeah that's a good point Stephen. how this time next year we will have um possibly have a bad batch season two but we'll also have had Star Wars visions we'll also have had book of boba which is coming up here in like four months four or five months and then ahsoka um the obi-wan kenobi show i think is going to be, uh, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Everyone's, I think that's the biggest, that's the big one uh, coming up.
0: Did they they cancel just the Nazi Gina Carano or did they also cancel her (laughs) series? Her series was also canceled.
1: Yeah. The Rangers of the new Republic is off. It's out of development. I didn't hear any cancel.
2: Can't it's, not, it's not something that they're actively working on. They, they may try to recast her. And honestly, I kind of hope they do because I really enjoyed that character. And let's be perfectly honest, there are plenty of people who could have replaced her as an actress. Um, but yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: I, wasn't, I wasn't super... Rangers of the New Republic was another one of those shows sort of like either Bad Batch or... Um, it's like I I didn't think of this concept whereas like Ahsoka that makes sense Obi-Wan Kenobi show that makes sense even Andor that kind of makes sense uh, if it's going to be like Rogue One but the series you know Uh, but Rangers of the New Republic was something that I I don't know I don't know what they could have done I didn't really have any speculation for that space cops space cops space Walker Texas Ranger yep
2: that's exactly what it would
1: have (laughs) been they would like so, uh, but yeah, um, sorry, Stephen. What was your what was your question? You were just talking oh, about season two.
0: Uh, yeah, so let's just get let's get y'all on record here, so in a year's time we can come back and, mm-hmm. and see how how everything lines up. On an A to F grading scale, how would you grade season one? And then on a scale of one to ten, with one being I couldn't care less and ten being I can't wait to binge it, um, how excited are you for season two of the Bad Batch?
1: Mm. Russell, if you want to go first, I have to collect my thoughts.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this was, this was a solid C effort. Uh, it was entertaining. I will, I will be happy to, you know, catch the episodes that, uh, that come back, uh, in the second season. I probably will not jump up Friday morning and go to pop the episode. Like I did the the first couple episodes of this season and then kind of the, the finale as well. Um, I'll probably just, you know, watch them when I've got time. Uh, but you know i i enjoyed this for what it was and i had a lot of fun you know kind of with the connections in you know with the rest of the star wars universe i do remain as i said earlier uh i i really wish that the second season has like a sustained plot through the whole thing and not you know superhero friends go and do something else every episode
0: well let me quickly ask you before we get jordan's perspective Would you have felt, and we've talked about this for the past three months kind of offline, so I think I know the answer, but would you have felt as strongly about that if the last two episodes hadn't been so plot driven, let's say all 16 were just kind of super Saturday morning cartoony, would you have still felt that, Hey, they really need to get into it? Or is it because they did a head turn towards plot that now you really need them
2: to? Yeah, it's definitely that second part. If, if the last two episodes had been more of the kind of Saturday morning cartoon vibe, I, I would be less interested in season two. Uh, You know, I, I, you know, I definitely got several text messages to you over the last couple of weeks that were like, oh man, did plot happen this episode? No. Cool. (laughs) I'll watch it later. Uh, you know, so like that was, you know, kind of a a running gag there for a couple of weeks because truthfully we got to like episode eight and, and the bad batch was no further along from a plot perspective than they were in episode two. Mm Uh, and, and that was, that was frustrating to me, but I, I'm it's not that I didn't enjoy any individual episode. I just, like I said, I, I the stuff that we got in nine and ten would have been really great stretched out across a season or eleven and twelve. Um, would you know would have been really great stretched out across across a season. I think with you know kind of more, especially more like where the hell did Omega come from? Why is she special? Like the, the bad batch themselves seem to not care. And that seems odd from a a group of people who need to kind of know mission details and tactics and things like that. Like they, they seem to be just kind of treating her like a child. And then when they realize that she's not actually a child, she's got other stuff going on. They never ask the follow-up. And that, that seems odd to me for that group of people. (laughs) Jordan
1: A to F 1 to 10 I'm going to give it a B minus uh for the for the effort um I will say it is and this is this is I agree with this perspective I've heard it uh said uh, elsewhere that it's the strongest first season first animated Star Wars season uh one of the strongest out there as far as like a season 1 so like if you're comparing it to Clone Wars season 1 or maybe Rebel season 1 it's 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 got a lot going on for it um, and one of the other highlights I forgot to mention too was the animation. Like the whole the whole time, the show is gorgeous. Like say what you will about the plot, or or whether the characters are used you know wisely, or what what all all that stuff, or whether um you know it's it's got that you know pl- the plot doesn't move along, but the show itself, especially like going back to Camino and seeing like all the the stormy water simulations and stuff that looks photorealistic. Like a lot of the landscapes and environments are like photorealistic. Yeah. Um so I really enjoyed that and I'm looking forward to see more of that but um as far as right now I'm going to give it a B minus and I'm going to give it uh, as far as how excited I am for next uh, for season 2 I will say 7 like 6 or 7 uh, whereas like maybe the Kenobi show or Ahsoka would be like a 9 you know 8 or 9 10 really excited about seeing that but um that being said I feel like my score might change if they start bringing in some of these characters into live action And it's like, they're using the animated shows to sort of build these characters up and also test the audience waters of like, you know, is this character being well-received with Star Wars fans? Sort of like Ahsoka. Um, But yeah, those are my thoughts.
0: Anything else that y'all wanted to mention for the good of the order before we uh, kick off in the hyperspace here?
1: (laughs) Um, I was just kind of briefly... uh skimming over all the stuff coming out for star wars so um in 2021 and 22 specifically so by this time next year i think we will have had star wars visions the book of boba fett and or and the kenobi series as well as um bad batch season two so that's kind of where, where we'll be probably this time next year as as seeing all of those series or most of those series um, so that's going to be pretty interesting to to change our perspective of what the bad batch is as far as the 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 whole of star wars canon and what happened in the universe but yeah that's just something i wanted to mention yeah it's an interesting question Stephen. like how how are we going to view this this series as we're getting all this other stuff you know is it going to be even less of a thing on our radar is are they going to do some stuff in season two that's going to be so important that it's like oh we have to pay attention
0: you know Jordan, where can people find you on social media?
1: Yeah, you can find me at on Instagram at um at specs and things. Um S-P-E-C-S-A-N-D-T-H-I-N-G-S. Um you can find me on Twitter at specs underscore thirteen, S P-E-C S underscore 13. Um I'm on Twitter mostly nowadays. I'm on Facebook too, um, very rarely, but um Instagram and Twitter is really usually where I hang out. Um, I also have a, a music project that I haven't posted in forever, but we're still working on stuff. Um, I'm a musician and uh, producer, and and um, uh, you can see at robbers, r a a b e r s, or at robbers underscore music, r a a b e r s underscore music um, on Twitter. Robert at robbers on um, Instagram, and that's uh, mine and my buddy Andrew's music project that we've been recording for. <laughs> past kind of two three four years i'm hoping to release our first single later this year um and yeah just kind of barreling towards it so trying to trying to release something i'm a perfectionist and so it like i and i haven't released something stuff under my name in quite a while and so it's like um it's it's getting to the point where um my one of my buddies calls it demoitis, where you just listen to the demo so much that there's like there's nothing to improve just release the dang thing you know like it's, it's great, you know, believe in yourself type thing. So that's that's kind of where I am. But yeah, yeah, that's where you can reach me.
0: Yeah, you know, if anyone who listens to this podcast will know two things. A, I am certainly not a perfectionist. Uh, this podcast is proof of that. <laughs> um, and B, people will know Jordan's effort through uh, the song that he kind of mashed together for Creating Magic podcast as well, of, as, well as, of course, Really what I think should be your number one My magnum song. Opus. time the hit single. Yeah, your magnum yeah. opus, which is the pin pod theme, which I kid you <laughs> not. I get sung to me on a frequent basis yeah. um in the pin it's community. Tough. It's um, a solid stuff. song. It really is. Um, if you
1: ever if we ever do a live pin pod, I'm gonna have to uh figure out a way to do that live. <laughs> yeah. Um
0: oh, when, I've, we, I've, when we when we can I've...
1: When yeah. when this pandy is done, you know. Yeah, so in like 2020, great. Yeah, and it, um,
0: about four or five years, yeah. yeah. Russell, if people want to keep up with your musings, random gifts, phone reviews, uh, ring light critiques, where can they find you on social media?
2: I am at Russell Holly on pretty much everything. I don't uh, I don't bother with clever names for my social handles. Uh, you'll probably find most of the things that are just kind of stream of consciousness nonsense on Twitter, though.
0: You could find me at Muggle and Khakis on Instagram if you haven't already followed. After a year and a half of this podcast, I don't know what you're doing, um, but yeah, that's really it. Appreciate Russell and Jordan making some time, and we'll have you all back the next time there's Star Wars stuff to talk about.
1: Excellent. Excellent.
0: Bye. <laughs>